You're listening to Dialed In, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to a very special edition of Dialed In. We couldn't wait until Monday to go through some of our favourite Masters picks for the week ahead, and so we're going to do it right now. And I am joined, as I always am, on all of these ventures by NCG's form expert, Barry Plummer. Welcome, Barry. Hi, Steve. And a major requires a special guest, and this guy is certainly special. Um, It's the editor of National Club Golf, no less, and uh, NCG's tour writer, Alex Perry. Welcome, Alex. Hi, Steve. Hi, Barry. Always a pleasure. Are we excited? Um, As we record this, it's a week out from the Masters. Um, Are we excited about the return to major action? I was thinking it hasn't been that long since we were last at Augusta, and that's because it hasn't. <laughs> we yeah, were there in November. So is there the same sense of expectation about the azaleas as there always is normally at this time of year? It's a bit strange, isn't it? Because, um, like you say, normally we go from July all the way through until April, and we're sort of counting down. I mean, nobody likes to wish their life away, but we're sort of always counting away those days, aren't we, until the Masters, and now here we are, and it feels like yesterday that Tiger was slipping DJ into that green jacket, so. Yeah, it's uh, left me with very fond memories from November when, uh, obviously, that was the first uh, winner we'd had of of that particular season, and uh, having DJ, especially on my own as well in that market, his first round leader and to win was quite a nice little return, so I'm hoping I can carry that form through to uh, to this year. Let's get some of the serious questions out of the way first, then, before we have a bit of fun with this. Um, is it a different Masters? I mean, obviously, November, a fall event, very different conditions, back to what we would usually expect to see in April. I mean, when you look at the, the Masters in November, do you take anything from that form-wise from, from some of the players? I think that It's not going to be a stop, is it? Oh, sorry, Barry, you go. Sorry. Uh, I think just in terms of course form, I think, yeah, you, you can you can have a glance at, at November, as I just started to allude to there. Obviously, it's not going to be as soft and it's going to play more traditionally like you'd expect to Augusta to from the last sort of number of years. I think um, the, the top players in the market are also coming into this in in quite you know strong form. If you look at the form lines, um, which maybe they weren't so much at the previous run in November. So this could be a, a good way to look at the top end of the market. Yeah, I was going to say before, Barry so rudely interrupted me. Um, but yeah, it's it's not going to be anywhere near a stop. We've already had um, a couple of players come out and said that they've heard that it's exceptionally fast up at Augusta at the moment. Obviously, like you say, Steve, we're a week out from now. So um, I don't think anyone's going to be threatening that 20 under that the DJ finished on in November. Not a chance. Yeah, just having a look at the market. I mean, there are no surprises. The people you would expect to be at the top of the tree are there. Um, looking at the odds as we record this, DJ, obviously the world number one, the defending champion, as short to as short as fifteen to two, in some places. Bryson DeChambeau, obviously the U.S. Open winner, comes in right behind. John Rahm, the third favourite, between prices of ten and twelve to one. But as we'll talk very briefly about later on there's a huge caveat with the uh, Spaniards appearance here Justin Thomas the players champion you can get as big as 12 to 1 in some places on him Jordan Spieth 
Uh, is the comeback going to be crowned at the place where he's had his best and worst experiences? Well, he's as big as 16 to 1. And then Rory McIlroy, um, the last of the big six, if we can put them that way, on current form at the moment, 16 to 1 as well. We're going to take some of the principles in turn. So let, let's start at the top of the market then with Dustin Johnson, the defending champion. I mean, his form at Augusta, even before he won, um, there was really, really solid. I mean, it was a place where you would expected him uh, to contend. He was tied second, obviously, in 2019, tied 10th in 2018, tied 4th in 2016, tied 6th in 2015. I mean, the Masters was really a major waiting to happen for him. But does the difference between November and April make a big difference for him, guys? I think so. When you look at uh, Dustin Johnson, especially at eight to one, he's certainly obviously not as, as good a value as he was for the November edition of, of the Masters, I suppose, just six months ago. Um, but when you're looking at his course, his recent form coming into the event uh, last time round, he'd had a couple of third place finishes, a runner up finish. He was in some of the, the form of his career and, you know, was really, really easy to get on board with. Whereas when you look at his form coming into this one, uh, 54, 48, 28th in the last three events. Um, he doesn't scream value as much to me this time. And although we were on him last time and he did fantastically well for us, and I have no doubt that he will play well, um, I don't think I'd go near him at, at that sort of price. You've changed your cheering, haven't you? I mean, what happened to your I'll back DJ all costs betting strategy? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm I'm very fickle like that. I like to change my mind every now and then. But I, I, I think with with betting on golf especially majors I think a lot of it's a feel thing and for me I'm just not feeling DJ at the moment based on recent performances um and he'll probably prove me completely wrong by going and absolutely romping it but I'll feel a bit bad for him Alex because if he doesn't keep the jacket in April he's like the shortest reigning Masters champion ever well yeah that's the thing isn't it I mean I first of all I'd like to say that I love that Barry has already twice humble bragged that he backed him in November um <laughs> Yeah, his, his, Barry's right. His form going into that last Masters was incredible. Um, as you say, Steve, like it, it's, it's like such a huge shame. I mean, look, it's DJ. He doesn't care. He gets to serve whatever he's serving at the Champions Dinner. He gets to wear that green jacket for life. Um, I think for me, the thing is, particularly in the last 10 years, and, and I'm saying that purely because out of my own curiosity, I went back and had a look at how defending champions have performed at the next Masters. And, you know, Spieth aside, who very nearly, you know, apart from that meltdown at 12 in, in 2016 when Danny Willett won, of course, and, and Spieth finished tied second. Um, apart from that, I mean, in the last 10 years, we're looking at Schwartzel tied 50, Watson tied 50, Scott tied 14, Watson 38, Willett missed cut, Garcia missed cut, Reed 36, Woods 38. I mean, there's no real form there for defending champions. I mean, Defending the mark. I mean, we talk about in football, we talk about the, defending the Premier League is the most difficult thing for a team to do. And I think that defending the Masters or any major really, it seems like an impossible task. I mean, I'm the same as Barry. I'm not going anywhere near Dustin at that price this week. Let's uh, let's have fewer football references, please, Alex. This is <laughs> golf, <laughs> McGavin would say. Um, let's move on uh, to Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, interestingly, uh, Augusta was supposed to fall at the feet. Of, of the American after the US Open. He was supposed to go there, um, get himself down Magnolia Lane and then just take it to pieces and he finished tied 34th. Um, and in fact, his best display 
um, at Augusta was tied 21st when he was the low amateur in 2016. I mean, he's never, ever contended at Augusta. I mean, in terms of length, um, he, he should be, I mean, particularly on the far, par fives, he should just destroy them. And one of the things that um, was really interesting about his US Open victory was how good he was short game approach greens. Now, clearly, um, the greens at Augusta, I imagine, are going to be super slick this time around. I mean, are any of you, are either of you sweet on DeChambeau's chances? Or do you think that his previous form there suggests that there's maybe something about Augusta that he doesn't quite like? I think he's I think almost the uh, the anti Johnson at this point, isn't he? In that he uh, he's he's sort of flipped it around. His form coming into this is great, um, whereas obviously Dustin's maybe as we just mentioned isn't as impressive. Um, he like you've mentioned already, his course form is is pretty average. But I think we all need to maybe beware the uh, the bruised ego of Bryson DeChambeau in that he he came last year sort of talking quite a good game, and and I think he would have felt a little bit. Probably maybe not embarrassed finishing 34th, but you know he would have expected to do better based on what he was saying before. And I think he will want to come out and prove it this year. And I think we're going to see a much better showing from Bryson. So interesting one. I'd forgotten about that, Alex. The famous par 68. I'd forgotten about that. Well, yeah, that was going to be my point. Um, he sort of he seemed very sheepish, didn't he, in November when he was uh, there was there was a lost ball incident at one point, wasn't there, where his ball had embedded in some rough. And I mean, you can't see that happening in in April, but um, yeah, it it was a little bit silly to come out and say that, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was he 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 did embarrass himself. Let's let's you know let's call it what it is. Um, I think it probably speaks volumes that he's not really said anything in the build-up so far. I mean, like you say, we're a week out and we haven't really heard anything from DeChambeau yet. Uh, um, he's too busy doing frat boy videos um, involving exactly. the US Open trophy and sets, isn't he? <laughs> well, maybe that's what he needs to do. Maybe he just needs to relax and take his mind off of it before he heads down to Augusta. But um, yeah, look... For, with Bryson, it just it, his short game needs to click. I mean, anyone can smash a smash a drive down down the middle of the fairway as far as they want, but if your short game isn't clicking, then it does it it doesn't really matter, particularly at Augusta. Um, I'm not going to back DeChambeau purely because I just don't feel like I can trust him with my money. I think that's probably the best way I can put it. Well, let's see if he um, has any more four pars to make uh, at the Masters this week. Let's hope not. Uh, John Rahm, let's talk about John very briefly. Um, there is uh, a clear issue for John. It's a happy issue, but it is an issue very that is um, that his other half is expecting, and um, and that the uh, the birth of his uh, first child, a monumental event in anyone's life, could happen uh, right in the middle of the Masters. I mean, even if even if it doesn't happen and John can get through the tournament unscathed, does the expectation that he might have to go at any minute um, dampen his odds for you? I mean, it's going to be in his mind, isn't it? He's going to be checking his phone, you know, all the time, isn't he? I sort of feel like it might work in his favour in a bizarre way because he might just be thinking, like it might sort of take that pressure off of him that he would have had before. I mean, look, this guy knows how to deal with pressure. I mean, his master's record is exceptional. I think he's at, is it three top tens in, in the last three years in four appearances? Um, I just feel like if he's playing without that pressure, because he might just be thinking, well, Saturday, I'll just 
I might just have to disappear because my wife's going to go into labour and I have to go and, and that might add something. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. He might go there, play for four days with zero pressure, win the thing by 10, and then his wife gives birth a few days later. I mean, the whole situation is astonishing. I mean, fair play to him to say, like, you know, the birth of my child is far more important. I can think of several players who certainly wouldn't do that. Um, but I just I think I, I'm the complete opposite. I think there's something different there. I think it adds a, a, an extra element to, to his game. I don't think he is going to be worrying about it the whole time. I don't think he's going to be checking his phone. I think he's going to play without any kind of pressure. Of course, this might all be moot because she might give birth before the Masters and therefore it makes this all completely pointless. Is this the one, Barry, that looks the most likely for him? And I don't just mean that in, in terms of performances, but Augusta really looks to be a place that suits him. I mean, he's made some... I hope you're not listening, John. He's made some bonehead <laughs> plays there when he's been in contention. I, I, is it 2019, the one where he famously put it in the water from under the tree when he was slap bang there, you know, yeah. and, and really, you know, strong finish might have given him the tournament, actually. But this this does look to me, of, of all the majors, the one that's most set up for him. Yeah, what I will say is that if if there wasn't this, um, you know, the the impending sort of uh, birth of the child in the family for for John, then I think John would be my headline selection this week. His form at Augusta, as you've mentioned, is incredible. His recent form, fifth, ninth, thirty second, fifths, uh, you've got thirteen, seven, seven. He's up there week in week out. He's playing some great golf, um, and like Alex said, I would not be surprised to see him turn up completely stress free go and play really well, but it's whether or not you want to risk your money on it because if I'm, I, and I'm only speculating here, but I think I'm right in saying that if you were to back him and he, he pulled out after three days, that would be returned as a loss rather than a, a return stake. Do you believe in the pre-birth nappy factor? The nappy factor is obviously very well established. Can you have an imminent birth nappy, nappy factor? Will it inspire him to huge heights? It worked for Danny Willett in 16, didn't it? He, he wasn't even going to play and then he shows up and wins. Um, we've seen it in other sports as well. Was it Andy Murray? Wanna, I, I, mean, I, I know you don't want me to talk about other sports, but Andy Murray did it as well. So it is a thing, isn't it? Now they'd actually been born, hadn't they? I mean, Danny's 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 wasn't he? I mean, like imminently just waiting there in the canal, so to speak. What I do know is that if that does if that does stone. happen this if that does happen this week, then you're uh, absolutely certain to see that theory being explored quite heavily on Twitter over the next few weeks and months. <laughs> well, we've probably talked enough about John, so let's move on to uh, Justin Thomas, who is battling uh, John Rahm for third favouritism with a lot of the um, early markets. I mean, Justin obviously has had um, a very tough year, some of it of his own making, um, some of it of his not, obviously with a family bereavement. He um, came back to form um, spectacularly with um, a very emotional victory in the Players' Championship. Um, he comes here in the best of form, doesn't he? I mean, he's, um, the way that he finished the Players 64-68 over the weekend and the way that he the way that he took charge of that tournament as well on the back nine with that excellent run of golf. I mean, he is he is like everything you want, isn't he? In a in a Masters contender, he's a superb ball striker. He's got grit. He's got heart. He's a pretty good driver of the golf ball as well. I mean, he seems to me to have it to have it all as far as um, as far as Augusta is concerned. And yet, 2020 fourth was his best finish here. I mean, he's been getting better through the years. He's gone 
tied 39th, tied 22nd, tied 17th, tied 12th, 4th. Is this his year? Well, you've taken the words out of my mouth there. I'm an absolute sucker for a pattern like that. I mean, you've just counted down his uh, finishes for the last few years. um, And I look at that and I just go, well, obviously, his next finish is first, isn't it? Um, As you said, absolutely incredible at the players. I mean, the players is not an easy tournament to win. We're not talking about, you know, any. no tournaments are easy to win. But, I mean, that's the biggest tournament outside of the majors on the PGA Tour. Uh, I mean... We sat there on, on Sunday and we said that level par for Lee Westwood probably wins it. Um, and he shot that level par and he didn't win it. And that was because of Justin Thomas. Uh, absolutely phenomenal performance. Uh, couldn't have come at a better time a couple of weeks before the Masters. Um, Justin Thomas is by far and away my top choice. That is not even close. Like I, I told you the reason why I'm staying away from DJ and the reason why I'm staying away from DeChambeau. Um, Justin Thomas is my man because he's just the the, the form um, and my silly little serendipity with his uh, pattern and his performances at Augusta. Um, and also, I think it would just like, apart from Rory McIlroy, I think he's the one player we all want to see slip into into green, isn't he? Like he's a, he's a proper fan's favourite. And I, I think I, I, I'm a complete sucker for that sort of thing. I really am. Yeah, I'm not going to add anything to what Alex has just said there because I completely agree. Um, I think it's worth noting as well, obviously, that he's got quite a public good relationship with Tiger Woods, hasn't he? Um, and what a what a player and a mentor and, and whatever to be able to draw on for experience um, at this time. I think that will be valuable for him as well. And yeah, he will win a Masters Championship at some point, I think, putting my neck out and saying that, and it could well be this time. Now, if we were doing this over video and not over podcast, you might see Alex start to blush considerably here as we talk about this next player, because he and Jordan Spieth, um, it's an unrequited bromance, I think. Um, but there's definitely a bromance going on from from Alex's point of view. Um, no surprise to see Spieth um, where he is in the market Um his uh, return to form has been uh, very highly publicised, um, but it is based on some um, on, on some actual statistics. It's not just media hype, um, and not. I mean, I worry about him um, last round. I still and I still think his game is a bit fragile off the tee, um, but certainly strokes gained in terms of approach. He's um, he's markedly up there. His putting looks like it like it was. Um, in his heyday, and I suppose if you are, you know, still prone to throw the occasional bad drive in, Augusta's the place to do it. There's plenty of room around there. Um, are you guys sweet on him? I mean, he's he's 16 to one uh, in in some places. I've just asked if if we, if you're sweet on Jordan Spieth, Alex. I mean, like, I can't believe you've ditched Jordan for his best mate. I'm always sweet on Jordan. Um, I will be backing. Jordan because it's Jordan Spieth at the Masters his record there speaks for itself um obviously didn't have that much fun um in November but that's because he was in the middle of a, of a slump and he dropped to whatever it was 82 in the world and um, we don't like to talk about that um we certainly don't talk about it in our text messages um I mean he's never missed a cut though even when he was quote, even when he was slumping rubbish. no I mean um, he was one of the players I mentioned before the, one of the, the, the a handful of players have mentioned how how quick Augusta is at the moment, and he was one of the players. And I feel like that just really plays into his hands. Um, obviously, one of the best putters in the game, if not of all time. That's quite a thing to say, isn't it? Um, and he just, he obviously just loves the place. Um, I mean, I was 
I mean, the, the, the bromance joke stems from me being able to go to Dallas and, and interview him about the Masters. And honestly, I just I, I just mentioned it and his eyes lit up. I mean, he was like a you just given a kid a new toy or something. He's just incredible. Um, the way that he the, the passion that he has for that place is uh, is unrivaled. Um, I'll, I'll be backing him because it's Jordan Spieth at the Masters. I've, I've said that. Um, it, the the fact that he's returns to form the way he has as well like couldn't have been it, it, again it's just one of those things isn't it it just feels like everything's just falling into place a bit too nicely and uh his his he's he's been in good form recently and and, and you like Barry said with with DJ you know you've got to have good form going into the Masters uh Jordan Spieth's in form and he's a phenomenal player at Augusta he said he said something very interesting Barry recently about greens. Um, and the particular type of green that he likes. And he struggled uh, at Austin um, on that particular kind of green. He prefers this kind of quick, slopey contour that he can get his speed and he can get his rhythm in. And, and do you think that's why he performs so well at Augusta National? Because th th their greens, they you don't really, really see anywhere else on tour. They try and mimic them at other places, but they never quite get the same. And, you know, I joked about... Um, his performances there um, when he was in his slump. I mean, clearly Jordan Spieth has never, ever been rubbish in his life, but tied 46 when he was in the worst of it, tied 21st in 2019 when he was in the midst of it. Um, people forget that he was, you know, a crooked drive on 18 away from giving Patrick Reed a really hard time in 2018, um, if, I, if my memory serves. I mean, yeah. and then you look at before, tied second first, tied second, tied 11th. I mean, they're going to put statues up to this guy there, aren't they? Yeah, and actually, when you think about courses in the world where experience at that particular venue counts, there aren't many where experience matters more than at uh, Augusta. And if those are positive experiences and you can draw on those and be inspired by them, and as Alex mentioned, uh, he's obviously got a real sort of love for this place. And yeah, I mean, I, I backed him this week in Texas um, in, in quite a... A weaker field, I suppose, but he's going to get the benefit of hopefully playing four rounds of golf moving into next week, which a lot of the other top guys aren't. Um, so it will be interesting to see whether that pans out well for him or whether it pans out well for the other guys who've chosen to have a week off. Do you not think he's played a lot of golf recently? I mean, I know that he um, didn't get past the last 16 at um, at the Dell, the match play, but I mean, I think he's had how many weeks off has he had in the last sort of seven or eight? Two? I mean, I know he's riding the form, but. Um, I'm not sure I'd want another four rounds for him in contention at the Texas Open. I I, I sort of wonder whether it might actually be great for his confidence, but um, you, it might it might actually be, be better for him to sort of glide through this tournament, get his putting into gear, you know, and then and then unleash everything at Augusta. Yeah, I I actually forgot he was playing this week. I mean, obviously he's playing at Texas. Um, I I yeah I I'm really. <laughs> This is the only time I'm ever going to say this, but I don't actually want Jordan Spieth to win this week. Um, just because I think the mental and physical toll that winning a PGA Tour event takes on you, um, that would make me very nervous going into next week. And I think that if he could just, like you say, if he could just glide to maybe like a night, I, I want him to play four rounds. I don't want him to go into the Masters on a missed cut, but if he could just glide through maybe a casual top 20 and go into the Masters on that, I think I'm happy. I mean, I mean let's say he wins the Texas Open, right? big if at this stage depending on when you're listening i mean imagine the emotional uh, release that that's going to provide you know you haven't won since birkdale 
2017 Open. It's in your home state. I mean, I imagine that he would. I, there'd be tears. I would have thought. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and you know, we you know we we had a little chat about um you know the nappy factor, which is a Keith Elliott um. Um, if for anyone who knows his betting techniques, it's a Keith Elliott um, mantra, the nappy factor. Well, another one of his is mental letdown, which is, you know, you have a win. Um, and it particularly if it's a significant win, it's very difficult to then do that the following week. I mean, as you listen to this, John Spieth might be four over par in the first round. And then this might be a moot point. But but um, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. Um, how Jordan performs. I don't think there's anyone in golf who wouldn't like to see him put the green jacket on again. And let's hope that he has a really good week. Now we've left this guy till last um, among the, among the uh, main principles that we're going to talk about. We're going to get into some of the rest of the field um, in a few minutes, um, but we've left this guy to last with good reason. Uh, Rory McIlroy. I mean, where is Rory at the moment? I'm sort of completely lost with him at the moment. He doesn't seem like he can keep the ball on the planet. He's obviously made these changes uh, taking Pete Cowan on board. I mean, do, is he doing that two weeks before the Masters feels like a very dangerous game to play? I mean, is that enough time? Look, I don't know anything about golf coaching. What I do know is I'm talking about we're talking about one of the best coaches that has ever lived, and we're talking about one of the best players that's ever lived. So maybe two weeks is more than enough time for those those two to work together and, and make the the necessary changes that we'll see McElroy contend at the Masters, but. For me, it's it's always just going to be a psychological thing. I mean, we're talking 10 years. Can you believe it's been 10 years since that meltdown at the market? It feels like it was yesterday. Um, and in that time, he's had a handful of top 10s. He's done really well at the Masters. Um, but he's there's always just seems to be that one round that lets him down. Um, it's usually now, the Barry, first one. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I certainly won't be backing him for first round leader. Um does it does, I, Barry, does does it help that um, he comes in here with probably the least amount of expectation that he's ever had? I mean, you tell me why he went chasing Deschambeau. I mean, he really didn't need to do it on on, on speed. So now he's um, his driving is not where he wants it to be. As we've said earlier, you know, you can get away with being a bit crooked at Augusta um, compared to other places. Um, I mean, for me, the driving um, belies the overall problem in his game, which is approach and wedge play. I mean, and if if if, if he worked on, on that and the way that DJ worked on it maybe a few years ago, he'd probably have a couple of these things in his in his bag already. But does he come here with little expectation and does that help him? Yeah, I, I think actually, you, if you look back six weeks ago when he, he uh, finished sixth and then went on the next week to finish 10th, you, you're seeing signs there. And, and at that point, maybe people were starting to get a bit excited about his chances coming up to... Um, the Masters, and then he throws in a missed cut, and then a, a 28th. So it's just one of those. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride with Rory. And I think, as you said, that expectation has slipped off him a little bit. He's maybe not considered as, you know, one of the top two or three in the market as as favourites anymore. And um, you know, he he will uh, at some point, similar to how we saw DJ do it earlier um, in September last year, and how we saw Brooks recently at the Waste Management. He will get to a price at some point that when he wins, it will make the bookmakers look really silly. Um, and, you know, I don't know at 12 to 1 if it's that price, but at some point, if his form continues as it is, he's going to get out to 20s and uh, he's going to make uh, the bookmakers look a bit silly when he absolutely romps it, because I've got no doubt he will win again. Uh, I mean, you might, you might be able to tell me this, but I, I always have the feeling that his master's form 
is a little bit clouded in the terms that he makes a lot of top tens, but he, you know, outside of 2011 and outside of 2018, I think 2018, when he went head to head with Reed, um, you know, a lot of these are fast finishes after after he's burned himself out of the tournament. Um, if he can get off to a good start and the confidence gets going, I mean, it could be watch out, couldn't it? But um, he has to get off to a good start. In too many in too many times in the Masters, and again, Barry, if I'm wrong, you can tell me, his challenge has been over, really, before it ever began. Yeah, and, and as you said, if, if he does make that fast start, he's going to quite quickly jump towards the top of that market because, as you said, he does like a fast finish at Augusta. Um, now, whether that's because there's less pressure on him because he's already pretty much out of the running and actually, you know, he's making up places for, for prize money, I suppose, then, you know, that may be not as difficult as if he's made a fast start this time around and needs to continue that over the three rounds that are remaining. So, I mean, I'm I'm miles away from being confident enough to pick McElroy. Um, again, wouldn't be surprised if he did well and, and went and won it. But um, I think, yeah, not for me this time around. Top 10 market, though, I mean, you'd feel relatively confident that you'd get a run for your money. Although I went top five for him for the players and basically chucked my betting slip away after the first round. Yeah, I mean, in that market, those sorts of markets, I think there are there are other players that are, are better value for a top 10, for example, than Rory will be. Um, when you look at players like Tony Finau, for example, who when some bookmakers are offering 11 places each way, you can pretty much put your house on the fact that he'll be there or thereabouts with with that sort of finish um, because that's just what he does. He's one of those players um, and he's, he will be much better value in that type of market than Rory will. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he went and got in the top 10. I'll, I'll be really interested to see how Rory's prepared this time. Um, November was a very different level of preparation for him, wasn't it? I mean, obviously... I mean, we could talk about nappy factor with Rory, couldn't we? I mean, his daughter will still be in nappies. She was born in, uh, was it September, October? But I mean, McElroy said before that November Masters that he goes there and he overthinks it um, and he has the Masters on, did he say he has the Masters on his mind 24-7 and that's not a good thing? Um, and he was just overthinking it too much. So he's turned to self-help books. I think before the November Masters, he went there for... 24 hours with his dad they just played a couple of rounds it was a lot more chilled out so I'll be really interested to see how Rory's prepared this time because um, he's obviously learned his lessons from the past. Let me give you a couple of players that I particularly like outside of the top six um, given that we've gone through them in some detail and then you can tell me if I'm uh, right or wrong um, eventually fate and time will tell me whether I'm right or wrong but um, it'd be interesting to get your um to get your opinions on this. I mean, the, the first one for me is Patrick Reed um, at 33 to one. I, I just, I, I just think that price is too big. Um, he's been okay recently. Tied 22nd at the players, tied 28th at the, uh, the match player. Um, he won the farmer's insurance open um, at the end of January. He was ninth at the work day at the concession. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of good form there. Um, obviously, uh, no fluke when he when he won the won the Masters in 2018. He went out there and did it. I mean, he crushed Rory. Um, tied 36 the following year, but we've we've talked about um, you know how uh, difficult it is to defend this tournament in recent years, and then tied 10th last year in the November Masters. So there's there's enough there in the price for me to have a, a punt on um, on who someone who is an inspirational putter as well, like Spieth. 
and has shown that he can handle the greens. Um, and then another player, I think, who's been in really good form. You can get prices of him to 40 to 1. I might look at him in sort of top GB and I and, and I markets, actually, and that's um, that's Lee Westwood. Probably could have won two PGA Tour events already this year. I mean, just edged out in both. Um, his Masters record going back to sort of 2017 was phenomenal. Um, second in 2010, tied eighth in 2013, seventh in 2014, tied Second in 2016, we had a great chance to win, didn't he? Um, when Danny Willett just sneaked ahead of him. Obviously, hadn't played for a couple of years. Tied 38th in November, but, you know, he'd be getting himself back into it. Um, and, and I think that his form is very solid enough. He's been there for some practice already. So he's had two days of Augusta um, with his lad. And I think that um, it's certainly in, in, in sort of top Englishman markets, I'd be I'd be looking at Lee. I mean, am I out of kilter with those two there, or are they two that you, that you could make a case for carrying your money? Yeah, of course you can. I mean, the the two <laughs> two of the the best players in the game at the moment. Of course, you've got a case for them. And one's a Masters champion, and one's got an exceptional record there, as you say. I think um, for Lee Westwood, my <laughs> this sounds so silly, but my my slight concern for Westwood is that. Everyone forgot about him as a major champion or, or as a major contender and sort of accepted that probably his time had gone. Um, and now he's having this phenomenal run of form, as you say. And I, I just sort of start to worry that that might start getting into his head again, that actually maybe he maybe like he might be thinking, oh, maybe I can actually go and win this thing. Um, obviously, he's had um, Helen on the bag for the last however long it's been, couple of years, is it? And she's been absolutely vital to his return to form and do, do we know who the bag person is for lee westwood this yeah, week so it's gonna he, be had, sam, he had yeah. sam didn't he? he had his lad on the bag for the dell well he said yeah he said i've got sam on the bag for the masters week and i'm assuming that means for the tournament as well um and not just like for a little bit of experience during the practice rounds that doesn't seem right to me but yeah that that's um is that a concern for us? I mean, like he's changed his caddy beforehand. I mean, he's he says that Helen's uh, she, he described her as a secret weapon, didn't he? Because she keeps him calm and it's just nice to chat to her. They don't talk about golf when they're on the golf course. And, and, and maybe Sam will be the same. Maybe he said to Sam, look, I don't want to talk about golf. I just want to ask you for a club and you're going to give it to me. I mean, this guy knows Augusta better than better than most people. I mean, he doesn't need someone. He doesn't need a professional caddy to tell him what club to pick. Um, you can always think... ground him as well if he doesn't do what he's told, can't you? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I like I like Lee Westwood as your your top GB&I or top um, Englishman or whatever you, uh, market you want to go after. I'd love to see him contend there. I think everyone would. Um, but I'm just sort of I, I I got myself into a position where I was like, oh, we're talking about Lee Westwood as a as a major contender again, and then suddenly I've sort of gone 180 on it, like, oh my God, we're talking about Lee Westwood as a major contender again, and I'm sort of worrying that it might be getting into his head. Yeah, I I actually absolutely will be joining you on Lee Westwood um, with uh, 11 places. I think that there's a number of boxes which I try to make sure I tick when I'm picking players for this event, and one of those is really, really good course experience, tournament experience and form. Um, and one is a very recent um, sort of top 15, top 20. And obviously Westwood ticks both of those boxes massively in that he's had a couple of runner-ups at Augusta and a couple of runner-ups in the last few weeks. Um, he's the sort of player who's, you know, ma- majorly sort of transformed himself over the last few years in the fact that, you know, he's still really fit, even though he's sort of going into his late 40s. 
He seems like he's very chilled on the course. He seems like somebody who, um, you know, if you were thinking of Sunday at the Masters, you wouldn't be surprised to see Lee Westwood, that sort of fairy tale story for, for the media of him being given the green jacket. Um, and I think actually out of the other players that were around him, you've got some relatively inexperienced players there. We maybe have played Augusta once, maybe only once when it was in November, um, which will be very different this time. So I think um, Westwood may be a little bit short, but I will be going in on him. So, well, they're my kind of um, pick of the bunch outside of the main contenders. I mean, I'm sure you've got your own ideas as well, Alex and Barry. So let's hear them. Spill the beans. <laughs> uh, I, as an outsider, right, first of all, I was astonished to see... Um, Henrik Stenson in the 200s um, I mean he's not going to win he's not going to contend but I just I was looking at that price and thinking good grief that's sort of a price normally reserved for like players in their 50s not someone who's still I mean he's obviously in a horrible run of form but um, still capable of quite happily turning it on um, I quite like Francesco Molinari who I saw uh, in the 80s or 90s earlier um, coming back into a bit of form on the PGA Tour I mean obviously um, had that spectacular uh, year in 2019, didn't he? And then he did he hit a tree on the way? He finished top five, didn't he? But he, 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 he played that place. silly shot, didn't he? I think he finished. Oh yeah, exactly. He had that silly little, silly little five minutes that cost him challenging Tiger. I, I mean, I think really he just knew that everyone wanted Tiger to win. Um, he probably wanted Tiger to win. Charity. But, um, exactly. But um, I think that yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's a. He's a recent major champion. Let's not forget that. Um, he is still one of the best players in the game. He had a bit of time out. Um, he missed a cut in November. Is that right? He missed a cut, didn't he? But he, he hadn't been playing last year. Uh, he obviously, he's had this big move where he's um, shipped his family from London to California. So they, so he took a bit of time out of the game to, to spend some time settling in, in in Cali. Obviously, the pandemic, and he, he wanted to protect his family from that as well. So... Uh, you know, he's he's not playing too badly on the PGA Tour at the moment. I mean, he's not tearing anything up and he's not winning tournaments, but he's sort of working his way back into form. Um, and I, I just, I, I always look at Molinari and think he's a little bit dangerous. Yeah, yeah. One of the players which we, we didn't quite cover just outside the top sort of favourites in the market, who I think is actually overpriced, um, is Patrick Cantley. Um, he has, you know, a top 10 already at Augusta. Uh, relatively good recent form. Um, I know we've not gone massively into sort of strokes gain data and stuff over this, but he ranks in the top of that uh, in all of strokes gain total across all of the top 150 players in the world at the moment. Um, so, you know, he's somebody who could have a really good shout at what looks to be a generous price at 22 to 1. Um, if you're looking at outsiders, I quite like the chances of Abraham Anser. Um, he was brilliant last year uh, up until a really difficult final round for him where he sort of went into reverse a little bit um, 13th in the end he finished after being in contention on Sunday um, relatively good recent form 18th, 22nd, 18th um, and you can get him in some places at 80 to 1 so I think as an each way shout he's a, a, good, a good one to go for I'm going to give you one more because I'm being generous and he's a huge price. And um, this is mainly on immediate past form and past form. Um, and I'm backing him for a place because I think he might sneak into 11th. It's Matt Kuchar at 125 to one. Um, I mean, how is someone who I know he's had bad form, but he's just come out of that bad form by finishing third on a course that he likes. 
And here is a course that he likes, and he's 125 to one. I mean, he missed the cut in November. He was tied 12th in 2019, and he's got four top tens going back to 2012 at the Masters tournament. If this guy is in any sort of form whatsoever, and the Dell match play isn't a fluke, 125 to one is way, way, way too big. I think. I think. I think that's a Rick, and and I might be getting into it straight now because I think that might shorten a bit um before um before we kick off on thursday um as always on dialed in we ask our guests for their best bet baz's banker as we call it we can't have baz's banker for alex what can we have um pez's punt <laughs> so, if we do if we're going down the z route with uh barry to buzzer we can turn perry to pezza can't we even though I don't really like it. Let's not do that. You're no, you're no Z to me, Alex. Um, <laughs> so, let, so let's just have our best bet for the Masters. Obviously, we're a week out. Things can change. But at the moment, who's the one player that the pair of you are backing uh, for the Masters? We'll start with you, Alex. Uh, so, yeah, I already mentioned him earlier. Um, I've put my main bet. I like With the Masters, I like to put a few extra quid on than I normally would. I think it sort of certainly makes it more interesting through the week um my I, so i've obviously i've put some money on jordan spieth because for obvious reasons it's jordan spieth at augusta um i've got a couple of quid in on players that are outside patrick reed is one because i i exactly the same as you steve um i thought out in the 30s was astonishing um i've got a bit of money on cantley as well funnily enough um another player that was mentioned but for me my Pezza's punt is Justin Thomas. Um, he's for me. Justin is is slipping into green next week. Yeah, so I'm inclined to agree with Alex there. I think Justin Thomas has got a great chance. Uh, I'm going to look slightly further down the market, and one I've already mentioned being Patrick Cantlay at 22 to one. I think uh, he's got great form in his previous Masters visits. Uh, some relatively good form recently, and I would uh, like to see him come in and be my second Masters winner in a row. I'm surprised you haven't gone for put any money on a uh, old Bob McIntyre, given you've spoken to him a couple of times in the last few months. I thought he would be right up your street. I saw him at about 170 odd earlier, which I mean, obviously he's a rookie, he's never played there before, but you know he's in good form. Do you know I was going to say him earlier on when we were talking about outsiders, but I was worrying about sounding fickle again in saying that I liked players who've got some experience around Augusta, and obviously he doesn't really, but. If, if you're looking at a trend there, lefties obviously play particularly well at um, Augusta. And uh, with Bob being the number one ranked lefty now, uh, I think uh, he could have a great chance and definitely a big price. I will be putting a few quid each way on him just as a, a humble bet. Uh, well, hopefully that has uh, whetted your appetite for Masters Week. And uh, if we've confused you, sorry, you'll get over it, I'm sure. Um, good luck with all of your master's bets. Please remember, if you are having a punt, to gamble responsibly. Um, thank you to our special guests this week, our form expert, Barry Plummer, and uh, the newly crowned Pezza's punt, Alex Perry. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Thanks, Steve. Alex. Enjoyed it. And don't forget, you can read much more about Barry's thoughts about the Masters and his principal picks in his column on nationalclubgolfer.com early next week. Thank you for joining us on Dialed In, and we'll see you again on another episode soon. 